You are Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thanks for joining us on a Wednesday edition of the show. Halfway through the work week. Hopefully you all are doing well. A bevy of BYU news to get to on today's podcast. A lot of basketball odds and ends we need to touch on. Also need to continue on with our best moments from BYU uh, sports over the past year. We'll stop in on the gridiron once again with that. And we're going to talk about a new podcast that just launched on the scene that had a great tidbit about the 1984 National Championship season that maybe some of you haven't heard about, uh, courtesy of Fox Sports analyst Charles Davis. We'll get to all of that on today's show. We are proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which is, of course, America's number one daily podcast network. And with that rundown out of the way, let's get it going here. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for April 22nd, 2020. What's up, guys? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking the time to join us here on your daily podcast, focused on all things BYU sports. If you're new to the show, welcome on in. We aim to be your one-stop shop for all the BYU sports news and insider information that you will not find anywhere else. And thanks for taking the time to follow us on Spotify, subscribing on Apple iTunes, or essentially listening to us on any podcast provider that is out there. Make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on whichever podcast provider you're listening to us on. That way you never miss a daily episode with us here each and every day. All right, let's kick things off today talking some BYU basketball news and notes. We'll start off with the head coach, Mark Pope, a BYU basketball head coach, was named as college basketball's most, quote, reward, immediately rewarding, unquote, hire from the 2019 coaching carousel. This comes uh, from Matt Norlander from CBS Sports. Uh, it was a ranking of the, quote, most immediately rewarding hires from 2019. And an interesting uh, note here is that Pope uh, was on the list of the top 12 on this list, followed by Casey Alexander from Belmont, Juwan Howard from Michigan, John Brandon from Cincinnati. So some of the best coaches in the game that were in their first year on this list. Also guys like Mick Cronin and Eric Musselman, uh, Cronin at UCLA and Musselman now at Arkansas on that list. So very impressive to see uh, Mark Pope's name atop this. And Matt Norlander had a very interesting comment about this. He said, quote, we've got a crowded field of candidates, which is refreshing, but no one can say they had a better first season with their school than BYU's Mark Pope. Uh, He tops the list easily. I have a hard time disagreeing because you think about it, Mark Pope got BYU in a position where they were going to be, what, a five, six seed at the very worst it felt like in the NCAA tournament had the brackets actually come out. He had BYU ranked in the national polls for the first time in a decade since the days of Jimmer Fredette where the Cougars ranked and I think it was a very easy pick for Matt Norlander to have Mark Pope atop the rankings. Now Mark Pope, his encore is what we're going to have to see what happens. Uh, so uh, it says that also in this one from Matt Norlander said, quote, unlike a couple of other coaches listed below, Pope didn't win a regular season or postseason conference championship inserted Gonzaga and all but his Cougars team's 24-8 record helped its number 13 Ken Palm ranking to be among the best of all teams with a first year coach Pope 47 was helped by having the best three point shooting team BYU's 41.9% clip from beyond the arc aided the Cougars to their best conference finish since 2010-2011 when 
when Jimmer Fredette was on the roster and the team landed a number three seed. Really simple there. Now, uh, of course, BYU loses seven seniors off of that roster. How are they going to go about replacing that? Well, we're going to take another quote here from Norlander and says that taking over for a legend, speaking of Dave Rose, is no easy task, but Pope hit the ground with a, quote, 24-7 mentality, and that extends into recruiting for BYU. Uh, yesterday, if you probably didn't see this, you probably did on Twitter or on social media, Purdue transfer big Matt Harms has cut his list of schools to three schools, and that is Kentucky, Texas Tech, and BYU. This is a pretty big deal for BYU being the final three for a guy like Harms. We've talked about this on the podcast over the past couple of weeks. It feel like feels like BYU's front line isn't going to be the position of need for them next year. But as a seven foot three center, Harms averaged eight point six points, four point six rebounds, shot fifty two point four percent from the field for the Boilermakers this past season. Uh, Harms has eligible to play right away as a graduate transfer. Also averaged I think just over two blocks a game. Well, if you're seven three, you should be able to block shots. But his range as an offensive threat extends all the way out to the three-point line that's why BYU is interested in him despite what appears to be a log jam in their front court with guys like Wyatt Lowell Kobe Lee Richard Harward and Gavin Baxter if you can get a guy like this who has seven foot three size can shoot out to the three-point line but also is a defensive force yeah no wonder teams like Kentucky and Texas Tech want him will BYU land Matt Harms I don't know. Uh, It's hard to beat Kentucky and Texas Tech, two of the better teams in college basketball in recent years. Kentucky, obviously, one of the blue bloods of the sport. But it's fun to see a guy like Harm say, hey, I'm interested in potentially playing for BYU. But that doesn't mean that BYU's put all their eggs in that basket. Uh, Jake Weingarten uh, works for uh, covers uh, college basketball recruiting for Stock Risers. You can find it on social media. He said the Ole Miss transfer Franco Miller has spoken with BYU staff yesterday. He said that that's that they're the newest team to show interest in the former four-star guard who's got a lot of upside. He would be a sit out one year without the rule change uh, in college basketball and have three years to play beyond that. Uh, Seton Hall transfer guard Anthony Nelson has heard from BYU among a bevy of other teams according to Zach Braziller from the New York Post. And also, uh, Jake Weingarten had this little tidbit about Matt Harms. says that the staff, speaking of BYU, Mark Pope, showed him BYU's campus via a virtual call. Hey, you got to do what you got to do in this day and age to land talent. And I respect a guy like Mark Pope taking that time to walk around campus, probably on Zoom or Google Hangouts, something like that. He's like, hey, Matt, this is such and such a building. This is the Marriott Center. Take a look. You got to do what you got to do. And I think that's a pretty cool thing to see for BYU to chase all of these athletes. And here's hoping it pays off for them. That's the biggest thing is you hope that at some point they break through here. If you're able to strike and get a guy like Matt Harms over the likes of Kentucky and Texas Tech, man, a lot of the, I think, angst about BYU striking out on graduate transfers and transfers to this point would go go away because you just beat two of the better teams in college basketball to to get this young man so 
I think that Mark Pope, yeah, his 24-7 mentality is absolutely something that you need to pay attention to. He's relentless. His staff is relentless. They stay after it. They have got grand plans for BYU in the near future. And as they try to retool this roster going into 2020-2021 season, I think that they've got a lot of pieces already in place. But getting some of these graduate transfers, maybe other transfers onto the roster, could only help but bolster BYU's chances going into the next season. Uh, Coming up here in the next little bit, I think maybe next week, we need to talk a little bit more about the roster in depth. Uh, If you've listened to this podcast for some time, you know I'm extremely high on Wyatt Lowell's capabilities as a player, as a 6'10", true point forward I feel like he's got the ability to play inside out and has great size for his position I think he's a tailor made replacement for a guy like Yoli Childs maybe not to the same level of production that Yoli has a senior considering Lowell only be a redshirt sophomore next year but there's a lot to like about BYU basketball and I think it's okay to still be excited about Mark Pope and what he's doing for BYU currently all right, coming up here in just a second, we're going to switch gears, go on to the gridiron, talk BYU football. Another one of the best moments from BYU sports over the past year. One of the best moments of recent memory at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We'll get to that here in just a second. Before we do that, though, if you're a big basketball fan, we just talked a lot of BYU basketball, but if you're a basketball fan in general and particularly interested in the NBA draft, I would encourage you guys to check out uh, Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. It's a new podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Chad Ford is actually a professor at Brigham Young University, Hawaii, out there on the island of Oahu, but he was for, a, what, two decades it felt like, the lead NBA draft analyst for ESPN. He is now home here on the Locked On Locked On Podcast Network, excuse me, and he is doing a great job. He has great guests. Some of the foremost and brightest minds in basketball are on this podcast, so check it out, guys. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, one note before we get to our greatest moment or one of the, one of the greatest moments in BYU sports from the past year is... I hope you guys are all staying safe, plain and simple. I I have concern for everybody listening to this podcast, the COVID-19 pandemic. It seems like things are calming down a little bit, but we're by no means out of the woods yet with regards to this virus. I hope you guys are all doing well. And just a moment of levity with this, I was out on the golf course yesterday and I get seasonal allergies. I have hay fever and it seems to come out when trees start blooming and a bunch of pollen is in the air. And I was uh, sneezing on the course yesterday and a group was passing us. So uh, the course I was at, there's there's two holes that go perpendicular. Is it perpendicular? The ones that right, right, uh, whatever. The whole one hole's going one way, the other one's going the other way, and you pretty much share a fairway. They're separated by some mounds of grass, etc. But as I'm, I was up on a mound because I had a wayward tee shot. I'm sneezing because of the because of the seasonal allergies. I deal with the hay fever, and guy rolls by. You don't got COVID nineteen, do you? I'm like, no allergies. Like, good. I thought so. Just making sure. Can't be too. Can't be too careful out here. And I, I made me chuckle. And I, my biggest point is, I don't mean to make light of the virus. By no means, I'm making light of the serious nature of this virus. But it was just kind of a funny comment because golf courses, you can get away from people. I like to walk courses when I'm playing. So I'm very much socially distanced when I'm walking around the course. But it made me kind of chuckle yesterday. Fun moment on the golf course. But uh, 
with that out of the way, let's talk some BYU football. And one of the greatest moments in BYU sports over the past year was the thrilling home win for BYU as they beat USC uh, back in September. Obviously, this was a a game that came a week after BYU's thrilling win. We talked about this earlier in the week over Tennessee down there on Rocky Top. Uh, I think what made this game even bigger in many ways, I felt like, than the Tennessee game was the fact that you had a team like USC who has just been awesome for years and years and years. That's not to say that Tennessee hasn't been great in their own right, but for USC to come to BYU, come to Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and have them get beat in overtime for the second straight week, man, what a thrilling back-to-back set the BYU fans got in the month of September. I completely understand that down the stretch, the BYU football season didn't go the way BYU fans hoped. I don't think anybody in the BYU football program itself hoped uh, that th- what things went the way they did. But regardless, when Diane Gonwoloku intercepted that tipped pass in overtime, uh, it was just bedlam. I was on the field. I was covering the game for the Zone Sports Network, the radio station I work for here in Salt Lake City. And BYU fans, student sections just pouring out of the stands, celebrating the win. And I I thought it was great. BYU was not ranked in this game. USC had come in at number 24 in the country. Keaton Slovis had taken over as a starting quarterback. He was early on into his tenure as the quarterback there with USC. And BYU, to their credit, uh, a lot of people like to denigrate the rush three, drop eight uh, mentality that BYU had. In this type of a game, though, it almost worked to perfection because BYU dared Keaton Slovis to say, you know what, we're going to sit guys underneath and over the top in your routes as an air raid offense, and you're going to have to beat us with your arm. And BYU baited him into multiple interceptions in this game. It finished off, obviously, like I said, with Diane Gonwoloku intercepting that tipped pass. Uh, Chaz Ayu tipped it, and then Diane Gonwoloku dove and collected it to end the game. But I think that... It's a, this game was evidence of BYU's ability to win a game against a young quarterback and confuse them. BYU's issue in terms of what going forward, when you face off against more seasoned quarterbacks, let's say you got another chance at Keaton Slovis, the same time frame this coming fall. So let's say USC were coming in uh, with Keaton Slovis after almost a year or yeah, a year at this point as the starting quarterback at USC, and you decided, you know what, we're going to try and confuse him with a rush three drop eight scheme again. I guarantee you Keaton Slovis would be able to pick you apart a lot better than he would have as a true freshman this past season. So, I, BYU, I think the next step they need to take on defense is, yeah, when you have a young quarterback who's making their first, second, third start, they're still kind of getting used to the speed of the game. Yeah, a, drop three, a rush three, drop eight scheme, yeah, that can be very effective in that format. But you also have to be able to have the ability to take four, five, six guys, get after a quarterback who's much more seasoned. Than, and if you let them allow them to sit back, they'll pick you apart. You have to be able to send four, five, six guys or just hope that your three guys can get home and get pressure on that quarterback. It's been a big bugaboo for BYU over the past two years is their inability to rush the quarterback. I think a guy like Tyler Batty could be the answer on the roster this year for BYU, but he's still going to be a true freshman alpha mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when he shows up this fall for BYU, and let's hope we have football this fall. That's also another conversation that we've had on this podcast. But I think that a moment like what we saw, that snapshot of BYU upsetting USC on 
the field at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, fans pouring onto the field, celebrating after the thrilling win a week after a double overtime victory over Tennessee. There's nothing better than that. I have loved it when BYU fans have a great time at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I'm still hoping that Kalani Sitake and his team can make Lavelle Edwards Stadium the bastion it once was for opposing teams regardless of their rank or caliber. When they came to Provo, they knew they were in for a dogfight and more often than not we're going to be sent packing with a loss. It'd be nice to see BYU get back to that. I think they have got the pieces in place to do that. Uh, If you're a longtime listener to this podcast, I've talked about this previously. I'm extremely bullish on BYU's offense in particular going into this 2020 season. I think they're finally becoming upperclassmen by and large. The offensive line should be extremely strong. A guy like Zach Wilson, should he win the job at quarterback, has a lot to prove. I think the running backs are being retooled relatively well with the addition of Devontae Henry Cole. I think you got some young studs at wide receiver who are going to come up and the tight end group in particular. I think guys like Matt Bushman should help lead the way and I think it should be an exciting fall for BYU when it comes to their offense and hopefully you guys enjoy it as much as I do and I'm hoping we do see football this fall. Uh, Of course, there's still a long way to go here. We still need to get through this COVID-19 pandemic. It may be the fact that all of us are sitting at home watching BYU play games and maybe that home field advantage at Lavelle Edwards Stadium isn't felt as much this season as it will be in future years. But regardless... I've told you guys, and I'll stick with this. I think BYU's offense is going to be absolutely phenomenal in 2020. I could be dead wrong about that, and feel free to send this to Old Takes Exposed on Twitter, and they can roast me for it later if BYU falls flat on their face. But I think regardless... A a snapshot looking back at what happened against USC, I think that is something that BYU as a staff, as a team, you as a fan, etc., can all look back at that and say, you know what, that's what it's all about. Those moments in time when you have fans pouring out of the stands after a thrilling win, celebrating a win over one of the blue bloods of the sport you love, I don't think there's anything better as a BYU fan. So I wanted to highlight the BYU 30-27 to overtime victory over then number 24 USC as one of our greatest moments in BYU sports over the past year. We've done this all week. We'll continue on throughout the next, the rest of the week. Still got that Gonzaga senior night win on the docket, so stay tuned for that later this week as well. All right, coming up here next, we're actually going to talk about a new podcast that just jumped onto the scene that I'm extremely excited for. I listened to their first episode. They had Charles Davis on this. Uh, of course, Charles Davis is a, a commentator, an analyst for the NFL draft, uh, the voice of Madden, uh, over the last, what, the last three, four years, if I'm not mistaken. He had a very interesting tidbit about the 1984 National Championship season for BYU that involved him as a player when he played for the Tennessee Volunteers. You'll hear that clip. We'll also highlight what this podcast is all about coming up next right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. As we close out this Wednesday edition of the podcast, can't thank you guys enough for your continued support of the show, but I want to encourage you guys to check out another podcast that just jumped onto the podcast scene, and that is a podcast It's called quote, it's never just a game is the name of the podcast. It is hosted by NJ and Greg Pesci, 
both BYU alums, big time sports fans who've kind of been in the business realm for many, many years. Uh, What it is, is this podcast is going to talk all things sports, business, and life, and they're going to have high level guests. Their debut episode just dropped on all the major social media platforms as well as podcast platforms. And their first guest, none other than Tennessee Hall of Famer, the voice of Madden, college football and NFL commentator Charles Davis. You've probably seen him on Fox Sports. If you play the Madden franchise, you probably heard his name over the past three or four years. Well, apparently, NJ and Greg Pesci grew up in the same town, went to the same elementary school slash all school with uh, Charles Davis. They've been longtime friends. They welcomed him on the podcast. And of course, he was a student athlete at the University of Tennessee during the 1984 National Championship season. And he had an interesting tidbit here that I had heard that a team like Tennessee was in the discussions to play BYU in the Holiday Bowl, but I didn't know the full details on it. So we're going to let Charles Davis tell that story right now. This is part of the It's It's Never Just a Game podcast, episode one, that is available now on all major podcast platforms. You can follow him on social media at NJAG Official, I-N-J-A-G Official. It stands for It's Never Just a Game. And check it out, guys. So here you go. Charles Davis, uh, NFL commentator, talking about his time at Tennessee and how close BYU and Tennessee came to playing during that 1984 season in the Holiday Bowl. In 84, when you guys won the national championship, yep. there was a possibility of us playing you in that Holiday Bowl. And it oh, came wow. down to us, and, and I think it was us, Michigan, and maybe one other that they were considering. And so they called Tennessee and told us, hey, we're considering you guys. Would you be interested? And of course, we'd be interested. In fact, they'd make it a bowl a little bit tougher than it is now where everybody seems to go. So, of course, we'd be interested in the Holiday Bowl. So, you know, we had a meeting, and they told us, hey, Holiday Bowl is interested. So we were all juiced up. Are you kidding me? San Diego, BYU, the number one team in the country. Darn right we want to try to give that a try. In the meantime, while they kind of said, okay, we'll get back to you, the Sun Bowl called and said, hey, firm offer, you guys play Maryland, take it or leave it. Oh, wow. And our administration, bird in the hand, they came back and told us, hey, guys, bird in the hand, we have to take this, we have to do it. No one was excited about going to El Paso. Now, it <laughs> turned out it was a great bowl trip, wonderful people, all that, but right. we're like, hold on a minute, we thought we were going to play BYU. This is the number one team in the country. Had no he idea. He said yes as administration. And I don't know what the time frame was, but the Holiday Bowl allegedly called back and said, would you guys come and play? Oh, and, we, and we had already taken the Sun Bowl in our, in our administration, to their credit, but not go back on their word. But how crazy would that have been, us being in school, yep. and, we, and we would have matched up that way. Now, yeah, you guys are the best team in the country, I mean, that means you, and you proved it winning the national championship. But we were really looking forward to the challenge of trying to keep up with you guys because what a great team you had. But we thought with our speed, we could at least have a chance to keep up. And then they told us, no, we're going to El Paso. And we ended up in a rematch with Maryland, who we played the year before in Citrus Bowl. So it was that close. 
There you go, guys. Charles Davis with NJ and Greg Pesci on It's Just, It's Never Just a Game. I'm still struggling with that name, so I apologize to the Pesci family. But I'm going to have NJ and Greg, or both of them, maybe one of them, on the podcast here, hopefully soon, to talk about their new podcast. But I appreciate them reaching out to me yesterday to kind of elaborate on what the podcast is all about. Uh, both, I said, NJ and Greg are both BYU alums, longtime friends with a guy like Charles Davis. And it's, it's a great get for your first podcast. Drop a big name like that as you debut a new new podcast so follow their podcast feed it's never just a game in jag official i n j a g official on twitter they'll be on all the all the other social media platforms i'm guessing in due order and make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button similar to what i ask you to do on this podcast for that podcast so listen to the debut episode great thoughts on the upcoming nfl draft that begins tomorrow from a guy like charles davis reminiscing about their uh, shared history their family, etc. But also, they have a brother, apparently, the Pesci brothers do, named AJ. And they have a, have a segment called It's OVA OVA. They grew up on the East Coast, up there in Massachusetts and New York. Man, that was a hilarious segment. If you want some guys ripping on Tom Brady, the New England Patriots, well, not really ripping on Tom Brady, but ripping on the New England Patriots for letting Tom Brady leave. Check this podcast out. I For one episode, I was highly entertained, so I figured I'd give them a little bit of a shout-out and hopefully keep up the good work here with It's Never Just a Game. And best of luck to both NJ and Greg Pesci as they move forward with their podcast venture. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the podcast. You can follow this show's social media feeds on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LockedOnCougars. My personal Twitter feed is at Jacob C. Hatch. And also, you can feel free to drop the show a note anytime via email. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address to leave us a note via email. And I want to thank you guys for continuing to support the show each and every day. Our download numbers, despite the COVID-19 downturn, have stayed relatively strong. Of course, uh, we're going to be down just because due to the overall nature of what we're all doing here. But I want to thank you guys. We've seen our podcast numbers stay relatively strong, the download numbers, and I can't thank you guys enough for continuing to support this show each and every day. A reminder for you guys, if you are listening to us on Spotify, hit that follow button. If you're listening to us on Apple iTunes, hit the subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode of BYU Sports because we are with you guys Monday through Friday, hopefully keeping you guys entertained and also up to date on everything going on in BYU Sports. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk to you soon. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for April 22nd, 2020, and we will talk to you tomorrow.